think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Alrighty, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. So excited. This is a new thing uh, for this podcast. I am actually, I get to have a guest that is not here in the studio with me, and I'm not even in my studio. I'm trying something totally new. I'm trying, I'm I'm from a countertop in an undisclosed location, and... (laughs) And uh, I have a friend, a new friend, somebody that I met, actually, uh, we took a class together and uh, know her to be a, a sister in Christ and just a lover of the Lord. And so I, I'm excited to introduce this audience and these folks to Alicia. Uh, Alicia and I uh, do some coaching, uh, and so we that's kind of how we, we met through this coaching class and so, Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Yay, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to venture into this different form of communication. We've been working on coaching, but this is understanding God's Word and talking yes. about it together will be fun. Yeah. And we kind of, uh, the reason that it became an idea for you to join me on this podcast was because you also have a podcast. And so, we were kind of sharing thoughts about podcasting and and so tell me a little bit about that podcast and kind of what your goal and and really what the Lord's kind of stirring in you as far as serving others and ministering to others. Yeah, thanks. So I have a podcast called The Christian Mindset Coach with Alicia Michelle, and it stems from my work with Christian women on mindset, specifically from two aspects, brain science. I have a background as a neuro coach, so understanding how those thoughts are formed in our subconscious mind and from the Bible. So combining both biblical truth and neuroscience together to help women get past those things that keep us from living life to the fullest, like it says in John 10, 10. So those things that could be perfectionism, could be feeling like you're not enough, um, feeling like you know God's truth, but you don't really believe it. Those things like that, a lot of times are driven by these core subconscious thought patterns. So I'm trained in helping women figure out what that is and then using specific processes to get that in line with what God's word says about them. And that sets people free. So it's beautiful, awesome work that I get to do. I'm so grateful that God allows me to do this work with women. Okay. So neuroscience. So you're helping like make that so that my like 10 year old son could understand that. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the ability to change what we do in life based on how our thought patterns are changed. Everything that happens, every action that we take is based on our thoughts that are driving the show for our actions. So the Bible says that, and we've seen that in brain science as well, that um, the results wow. are a direct effect of our thoughts. So a lot of times we have not just logical thoughts, but subconscious thoughts, thoughts that are in part of our primal mm-hmm. brain, thoughts that are deep inside us, that are patterns that have been created a lot of times from childhood or other situations. And those are the things that are driving how we respond to what our identity is, how we say we're enough, how we say we're wow. we're good, how we say we're loved. Even though we can hear a truth 
that we read in the Bible is that God says I'm loved, God says I'm worthy and forgiven, but there's sometimes that tension between what we know God's word says to be true and what we've been operating from. And yeah. so to get clarity and to not be continually fighting against that thought that's inside of us, we can see what that is, where it came from, use God's compassion and understanding to really bring it to the cross, so to speak, to love it, understand wow. it, and then say, okay, let's use neuroscience, let's use brain science to go through very specific processes that we do, like in, in my Christian Mindset Makeover course or in one-on-one -on -one coaching to remove, literally prune away that old thought pattern that's in there mm -hmm. so that the mind now, and build this new highway, so to speak, new highway of, of thoughts that the mind now thinks about and focuses on instead. So that when it comes to that crossroad again of the stimulus of who am I, what do I think about myself or what do I think about God? It now chooses this other pattern instead. Mm -hmm. And from a foundational perspective, you're able to change everything about yourself and change those actions and behaviors moving forward. Yeah. So it's more than just the interior monologue that you might have about mm. yourself or the things going on around you, but really you get to help people kind of unearths the, the stuff that they don't even know. Yeah. You know, internally that influences the thoughts and the ideas like, why do I always think this? Or why do yes. I just assume? Why do I? And so that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. And so, uh, I'm curious, and I mean, we could probably fill the whole podcast with how did you even get into that, but yeah. give me this super short version. How did you even kind of come across this kind of thinking, this kind mm -hmm. of coaching and, and way to help people? Sure. Well, I had been a coach for about a year and, um, well, let me start over. Really the root of it happened with my own life crisis that happened about five years ago. And that was this huge medical crisis that happened from a lack of self-care, a lack of um, sleep, everything. Mm. Um, I had been abusing my body for about 15 years of just sleeping for four hours a night and terrible things that I had done to myself. And it resulted in this big medical crisis. And so I had, I was on my back for eight months, basically in bed. And mm. um, God told me, because the doctors had no understanding, like, we don't understand why this is happening to you. Well, God was like, you know, it's because this is how you've been, right? You've been, you're, you're, you're living like this. And so I decided, you know, I knew I needed to do something different, but it was like, I don't need just a hack. Like, oh, I just need to sleep more. It's like, what is causing you to feel that you don't need to sleep? What's causing you to feel like you can't ever rest? That what is that? And it was this driving force inside of me that I have to be perfect. I have to perform mm -hmm. to be liked. I have to do. And so if that's driving what I'm thinking, then, you know, I can sit here and try to come up with whatever hack I want to, but that's not going to affect the root thought that is running everything in my life. So I'm again, right. looking at that, realizing why am I really like this getting to the root of that? Then that is when I started understanding more about the brain and was able to learn about a specific program to be trained to help others uncover these sorts of patterns and help them through coaching. And I began enfolding that into my coaching practice that I was already beginning and starting. And it just has taken off from there. Um, and it's obviously still something that I have even brought into my own life as part of my own healing, but um, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Yeah. Do you ever... Do you ever have your kids go, hey, stop, 
Stop doing the neuroscience on me, yes, mom. Yes, like, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of your clients, mom. Like they'll say, I have three yeah. teens, so yeah. No, we're we're all about that right now. It's pretty funny when they say stuff like that, but it is. It's completely different when it's your kids and um, yeah. you're trying to help them. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, another thing that I like to do with first time guests is I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey with the Bible itself. Uh, okay. You know, I think I think sometimes people can get intimidated because they see one particular way of engaging with the Bible and they think that doesn't suit me. I don't, you know, that's just not how I'm wired or whatever. So I love to have, as guests come on here, have them share a little bit more about their history with it. Like, how did it first start with you? What can you remember back yeah. to your first encounters with the Bible? What were your assumptions? What was your experience mm -hmm. with that? And then how has that developed into what you do now? I grew up not as a believer. I did not go to church. I didn't have Christ in my life um, at all. Uh, my father mm. had grown up in an atmosphere where he felt like religion was forced on him. And so our home was, you get to choose whatever you want to believe. So that was how I was raised and mm. um, went away to college when I was about 19 in a completely different state in the Midwest. So it was growing up on the Pacific, you know, the Pacific coast, just, it was a different lifestyle for me. And um, I was ready to start right. completely over. And it was then um, through series of people that I had met um, that I really began asking those questions about who is God. And I became involved with an on-campus ministry that truly transformed my life and specifically a handful of people who took me under their wing to say, this is God. This is this mm. true picture of who Jesus is. This is what the Bible is. This is how you study it. You, it's okay. okay to ask questions because, um, and that was really important to me because I was mm. like, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to ever just blindly believe something never. Right. So, if God is truly God, then he should be big enough to answer these questions that I have. And so I would ask these questions like, well, what does that mean? Or what is, you know, and my friend who was mentoring me, lo and behold, the, under my dorm room door, I would get this little pamphlet about what does this mean? Or like a scripture on a card or something. Yeah. And I was like, you know, but it was so <laughs> great because I was in this little incubator, so to speak. I was away from everything that I'd known and grown up with and the baggage that I'd felt from just the stuff in my past. Yeah. And here I was starting over completely fresh and just being immersed in God and knowing him and growing in him from the very beginning. And it was kind of funny because, you know, a lot of the friends that I'd had as being part of this on-campus ministry, they'd known God their whole life. They'd grown up going to church. And here I was, I was like, I found this great verse today. It's called Jeremiah. I think it's 29, maybe like, um, I don't know, 11 or something. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah. uh-huh. You know, I was like, what a great verse, you know? So they... <laughs> this naivete or whatever that word is around it, yeah. that they, that just being introduced to all these new concepts. And then, so since then that really transformed everything about who I was, what I wanted to be. And I started out working with women specifically in Bible studies. And up until a few months ago, led a community uh, called the Connected Bible Community, where we studied God's word using a specific Bible study method that I like to use called the spiritual growth rhythm, where we go through God's word and um, apply it in, in a very specific way. We're receiving his mm -hmm. wisdom and then we are recognizing how he's at work. So kind of putting on that lens of what is he doing in the last 24 to 48 hours to really show 
God's real. Like he is in my yeah. life. This was a blessing that happened. And then how can I release? What can I let go of in my life that um, is the fears, the worries that is keeping me from growing close to God? So is this pattern of receive, recognize, and release that we worked through um, as part of these Bible studies that I created on identity. So everything from mm -hmm. just starting off with, you know, no knowledge whatsoever to going to this is the center heartbeat of my life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and God, God's word is, is everything to me. It's, it's the foundation. And even yeah. this last few weeks, I've been wrestling through some certain topics and it never gets old. It never gets old. Amen. Like there's always this freshness about it and, and beauty and God being able to answer those questions and meet us right where we're at, even with verses yeah. we've read a thousand times. Amen. So uh, let me get kind of technical. When you spend time personally in the Word, mm -hmm. is it a is a a pretty consistent? Like this is the the spot that I do it in. This is the time of day. This is the beverage that I have with me. This is the ch comfy chair. And yeah. like, what what are the the kind of what's the environment and what what yeah. is also present in your time in the Word? Yeah, that's a great question. So I typically do it right. It's it's. I think of it as my first break, so to speak. So I get up first thing in the morning, go for a walk with my husband, and, and then we would take our kids to school. We're on a summer break right now, so we don't do that anymore. But right, as soon as I'm done with that, then I immediately go to God's Word. I have my journal with me. Okay. I kind of flex between um, going through reading the Bible in a year, just a series of, it's, just, it's yeah. great because then you can have New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, all that like, kind of right there. Or if I have a specific topic, I feel like God is really challenging me on, which has been the last few weeks, then I will say, okay, what is that? And then maybe using a concordance or other commentaries to help me guide me through some of those scriptures and just writing and letting God speak to me. Um, ideally, mm -hmm. I like to sit out front in my yard where it's really quiet. Um, I can be more in nature and just the stillness of the morning is, um, is a gift to me. Okay. So that's the yeah. first thing that I do. Yeah. That's how my right. time usually and looks. Is, uh, is there a, like a tea, a coffee? Is there some sort of something that you oh, have? Usually water kind of... kind of boring like that. Um, <laughs> I do drink yeah. tea and I do have coffee every once in a while, but, um, usually if I'm sitting outside, I just, yeah, it's just my, my journal, my Bible, my Fair pen. Enough. I have, I do bring my phone with me as a timer because it helps okay. me to feel like I can lose myself in that time with God. If I say, okay, yeah. I'm giving myself 25 minutes to be out here with God. I don't have to sit there and go, okay, I have to be done by this. Okay. You know, I'm not like thinking about it. I can just go, that timer's going to go off when you're done. So you yeah. can just lose yourself in being with God right now. And you can just That's let everything awesome. else go. Yeah. It gives you parameters to be free. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, we came here to take and read the Word of God. And so, true to form, you don't know what we're going to read. I have uh, no idea. You, this is not a passage that you were prepped with. And I think that you're like, really? I don't get to know? And it's like, no, you don't get to know. <laughs> no. So, yeah. we're going to, we're continuing a journey through the Gospel of Mark. And okay. we will find ourselves in Mark chapter nine. And so, to give you some context, okay. uh, what we've covered so far in this. Uh, uh, journey so far. Uh, so we we understand some things about the Gospel of Mark. We understand that it is traditionally understood to be the t collected teaching of the Apostle Peter, mm -hmm. and that somebody named John Mark actually was one of his companions and traveled with him. 
And he wrote down this collected teaching of Peter, and then it was distributed to the, the churches uh, that were spread throughout okay. that uh, first century world. Uh, and so there's, um, there's a couple of things that you notice about this teaching. It's the first uh, recording of the teaching in life and ministry of Jesus that, that circulated. And so it was also used as a reference or a source for Matthew and Luke at times. So there's times where you can see in Luke and Matthew some things that that were kind of verified using the Gospel of Mark. Okay. And it's also the shortest. So it's very kind of quick. It, yeah. it doesn't spend a lot of time unpacking in great detail. So you'll see incidents or events that happen in Mark that are really brief. And then you can jump into Luke or Matthew and find a lot more detail or maybe just a little bit of nuance. And so it moves very fast, uh, 16 chapters that were put there, not by the original author, but by commentators and scholars later. Mm -hmm. And so at the halfway point, uh, out of 16 chapters, midway through chapter eight, it's been building. And at mm -hmm. that midpoint is when that famous confession of Peter, where Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and he says, okay, who do you say that I am? And there's this kind of pivotal moment, the crux of the gospel, where Peter says, you're the Christ. Mm -hmm. And outside of that moment, that word Christ, which is the Greek version of the, of the Hebrew word Messiah, that's the first time since the first verse that that word has been used. So oh, in the wow. very first verse in gospel or in uh, Mark 1.1, 1, 1, Mark says, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hmm. And from that point on, the rest of the gospel is his support of that opinion and claim that this is okay. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and here's why. And so now we have this confession of Peter. And so we see this trajectory that there's this kind of building, 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 and Jesus is going around performing miracles, casting out demons, making things that are broken whole again and new in all ways and he's demonstrating authority that's like this consistent theme where it's all about authority people demons weather mm -hmm. systems everything submits to his authority yeah and so at this pinnacle point peter finally confesses you are the christ and you would think like at that point it'd be like all right sweet everybody's in line everyone gets it we're on we're that's great but we'll see too that now he has to help them understand what that actually means because they come with this preconceived notion of what a Messiah is, hmm. what a Christ is. Yeah. And there's this view that, man, that means it's going to be the son of David. So that's going to be this military or political leader that's going to overthrow the Roman government. And now we won't be these despised Jews anymore. We'll take our rightful place like in the days of Solomon or something like they're just thinking yeah. grand things. Right. And so Jesus is now having to kind of redefine and repopulate their definition and understanding of what is a Messiah? What, is, what does mm -hmm. it mean that he's the Christ? And so we're seeing these episodes where they understand and then they don't understand. They understand yeah. and they're like, I don't get it. So that's what's been building. Okay? okay. I just wanted to give you some, a fair kind of approach to this passage. So we're in, in Mark chapter nine, and we're going to read just uh, three short verses, 30, 31, and 32 Okay. Uh, I am reading from the ESV, and Alicia has the NLT, the New Living Translation, right? Yep. So for folks that are listening in or following along, 
Uh, as you know, we'll switch around translations quite often. And so this is a neat opportunity as, as I go ahead and read, I'm pretty sure Alicia will see words and things that man, her says it differently. And so that's a good place for us to go. Okay. I wonder why it says it differently. Does that give us a new vantage point? Uh, and so, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it should be fun. And so if you're out there listening and you have a different translation altogether, that's great. It just forces you to really pay attention and listen in and wonder why things are different. Yeah. So uh, here we go. We'll jump into the passage. I'll read uh, the three verses and then we'll wrestle with what does this say? Okay. So Mark chapter nine, verse 30. They went on from there, they, the disciples, and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know for... He was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. That's all we're going to read. So, we first wrestle with, what does this say? What do we understand? What do we need to kind of figure out where they are, what they're doing, who's with them, what the scene is? So is there anything in there that kind of stands out as a, man, it, this needs some splaining? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of things. I think it's interesting that Jesus in verse 30 says, in my version, Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there for he wanted yeah. to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. So I think that's something to kind of ponder a little bit. And then yeah. also the fact in verse 32, they didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like what made them be all corporately unable to understand what he was saying and also at the same time afraid to ask him what he meant? Where is What is that? I don't think it necessarily maybe that fear, but like, like not like fear. Um, maybe it was fear like of looking ignorant, but almost like um, one of the words for fear in the Bible is yura, which the Hebrew words, and that can mean a healthy fear of God, God being bigger than what we are leaning. Mm. That's the kind of fear we want to lean into. So right. that, expression of wow god is much greater and bigger than i can even think right this moment and this by his saying this uh clearly i am not on the same page as god um so maybe that's yeah that's just that like whoa kind of a feeling that they were feeling there so yeah because they did he just made this statement the son of man is going to be betrayed and he will be killed but three days later he will rise from the dead and in light of what you said about what their views of a messiah were that a messiah would come in and save them that they would be free from roman rule so they're a little confused perhaps like why would why would how could that be how can you be messiah and you're going to be killed how can you be the king of all things and yet this is what's going to happen yeah what do you think what were some things for you yeah i think that Noting that in the chapter before this, this is in fact the second time now that he has taught them and foretold his death and resurrection after their understanding that he's the Messiah. So back in chapter okay. 8, uh, verse uh, 31 uh, through 33, mm-hmm. there's this uh, right after they've kind of confessed that you're the Christ, and he tells them to say that to nobody, like, don't tell anybody about that. 
Then he begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And and what happens this time is Peter is like, no, that, and he, he it says that Peter rebukes Jesus. Like, yeah. stop it. Don't, don't say that. You're not, that does not, we're on the winning team. That doesn't sound yeah. like the winning team. Don't say that. And then immediately Jesus rebukes Peter because he sees the other disciples looking at him and he's now got to correct this, this misunderstanding. And so I don't know if it's related to that incident where Peter, they watch and Peter receives this rebuke from Jesus for doubting this. (laughs) So now he's, he's like, I'm going to take you again. And and it says that the first time he was also teaching them, he's like, I'm teaching you, here's what's going to play out. Mm. Here's what it means that I'm the Messiah. That's, this is what this salvation means, this anointed one means. And so he's doing this again, quietly teaching his disciples, telling them that the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men, and they will kill him. But afterwards, he's going to rise. And they're like, we don't understand. I, this still doesn't make any sense. This does not fit. I think yeah. to your point, like it just doesn't fit. But they don't want to ask him about it because they're like, we don't know what this means, but... I don't know if they're thinking last time. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Peter got got an earful. And yeah. and so we don't want to let on that we don't know. So I don't know what the fear is. Mm. But like you said, I don't think they're afraid that like dad's going to be angry with them or something like that. I think there's this, this respect and reverence mm-hmm. th- for the reality that we don't, we don't quite understand this whole thing. Right. Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah, I think there's something there. Um, it's also interesting that he, this is not the first time that he's entered a village and tried to keep a low profile. That's mm-hmm. that's happened before in the gospel as we've made our way through it. And and in the past, people have found out that he's there anyway. And so they bombard him and they want healing. They want teaching. They want all the stuff. And so it's interesting that it's it's indicating that he's entering quietly, but this time he manages to do so in a way that allows him this alone time. And you'll see this kind of sense of he's giving priority to the the disciples. He's giving priority to mm-hmm. these men that will then be passed this baton and given right. this mantle of leadership to take a message. And so he's very intentional to be teaching them and explaining things. And so this is the second time, and it won't be the last time that he has to go through this teaching and explain this idea again of the death of the Son of Man and the resurrection, the rejection, and then the ultimate victory. Like he, he's got to teach us over and over again. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Anything else here? Um, I think there's, it's, sometimes it's easy to, to fly by geographical locations. So yeah, they passed through Galilee. Uh, and so Galilee would have been, I mean, that's, that's the location of a lot of ministry for him. And so, mm-hmm. By this time, he's a well-known entity, especially in that region. And so I think that's interesting that, you know, if you were to pull out that map that's in the back of your Bible and look at kind of all the places he's been, he's been up north. And so he's now going to start to turn his face towards Jerusalem, but he's Mm. still kind of before that, he's got to make sure they get it. Mm. And this is also after the transfiguration, like he's been up there and Moses and Elijah have appeared and Peter's like, Hey, do we need to make a tent for y'all? I mean, what's going on? And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. He has these two very 
public demonstrations of his power right before it, the transfiguration mm -hmm. and then healing the demon possessed boy. I mean, very clearly, if you were to witness that, you would say, wow, this guy is not just your average human. Like there's something right. unique about him. Yeah. And obviously he is doing that for a lot of different reasons, but it is interesting of the timing of it as he again, again, has to remind them of who he is and mm -hmm. what is going to happen to him that um, they have that knowledge at the same time. Again, maybe that is that conflict in them. Like how, how can you be this God who literally was transfigured with these pillars of our faith, Elijah and Moses, and do this amazing miracle of healing someone who's got a demon inside of them. And then mm -hmm. tell us in the next breath or in the next amount of time, however long that was that, you're going to be betrayed into the hands of your enemies. Why would you do that? And then why yeah. would you be killed? And what does that mean that you're going to rise from the dead? Why, why wouldn't you just not let it happen? You know, lots of questions there. Yeah. And I guess you bring up a point that it's, we, we have to be careful to fault the, the disciples for not understanding mm -hmm. because it is so counter to what they expected and even what they kind of been, had been witnessing. Mm -hmm. They were witnessing this guy who they've now concluded is the Christ. He is the Messiah and he yeah. has complete authority. Like he's right. demonstrated a hundred percent authority over the wind, the water, yes. the waves, every demon immediately responds and does exactly what he says. Uh, people are experiencing his power. They just touch his robe and they're healed. Mm -hmm. He, all he has to do is think about someone remotely and a demon's cast out. I mean, like the ways that he is demonstrating all authority stands in tension to, okay, just so you know, I'm going mm -hmm. to willingly be rejected and be killed. Right. Like that doesn't sound like victory. Right. And so there's this fundamental shift in like how they have to wrap their mind around that. Well, and why would he do that? I mean, that would be my question of what is his purpose in doing that? If I was yeah. a disciple sitting there and you have all power. So what, what is your reason for doing that? We of course yeah. can look back with 2020 vision and see yeah. that he had to do that as our sacrificial lamb. But we, I mean, in that moment, it's like, I don't understand why you would do that. How can you, yeah. how can you do that? And that, in that is trust. That is the walk of faith that we have every day when we, we don't understand everything God does and we're not meant to. It's yeah. like um, how C.S. Lewis describes that with um, saying in the Chronicles of Narnia about Aslan, he's not a tame lion. He's not a lion that you can predict. He's not safe always in that we know exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, our, our pastor talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He's like, if you have a, a God all figured out, that's like rabbit foot theology. You can just pull him out when you want and you can yeah. just rub your little rabbit's foot and get what you want. But we're encountering and working with the living God who is beyond our understanding. And yeah. uh, we need to remember that sometimes that of course he is all love. He is all kindness. He is grace. He's all those things, but he's right. also the King of the universe. And we don't, we are still humans and all of that. Yeah. And that our, our understanding is extremely limited. And so yeah. what it means to walk with God and, and to experience his 
teaching, which is what the disciples were experiencing, mm -hmm. means there's going to be fundamental transformational shifts in our view of reality, how things are defined, yeah. what is up, what is down, what is right, what is wrong. Like all of that has to be reprogrammed uh, in mm -hmm. a sense, right? There's, there's base assumptions about reality, about ourselves, about the people around us that just need rewiring. And so for them, there were these base assumptions about the Messiah, what it took, like what his role yes, was you're right. and, yeah. and what, what they needed him to do. Like they thought just going to Rome, overthrow Caesar and we're good here. And right. he's like, no, it's yeah. so much. And like you said, we get to look from this direction and go, it's so much bigger. Yes. There's so much at play here. And, um, but anyway, Chad, that's so, what we do yeah, every think, day. We say, God, just come in and fix this. Just get rid yeah. of my Rome, right? Just get rid of it. And yeah. he's saying, no, there's this bigger picture at play that you have to lean into me and trust me that I know yeah. what I'm doing. You're going to be okay. Amen. So it's the same thing. So, yeah, that, I mean, I think, so we've kind of traversed the, what does it say? And, and really, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. And now we kind of transition to that wrestling with the significance, right? How do we experience that meaning today? You and in, in, in your day, you've got kids waiting for you. You've got a husband waiting for you. There are clients and people that you're called to minister to. How does yeah. what the disciples are wrestling with here, mm. you know, how does that affect you? What would you say is, you know, the one brushstroke of significance in this passage well chat i think you and i um have learned in our experience as coaches and also in and even in the class that we're in that coaching and even parenting and being a wife and a mother all those things those are those are holy work you know there is mm -hmm. science behind what we do there's things that are helpful to structure how i speak to a client or how i work with a client there's good tried and true ways that according to the Bible, how to help light, lead our kids towards Christ, how to best love our husbands or wives. But there is that space mm -hmm. that's unique to us. That's unique to the relationship we're in. That's really unique to the moment where we don't always, we don't have the pat answers. A plus B doesn't always equal C. So that's where God comes in. That's that, that hesitancy, not the hesitancy, but that's just the, that place that's unknown perhaps that we have to just keep trusting him mm -hmm. with as we live that out. So um, we can go into a coaching session or we can go into a time with our kids with um, some ideas of how things might turn out. But the easiest I've found the easiest way to, or the most productive way, maybe is a better way to say it is to go into it with here. Here's how I want to be prepared for this God but mm -hmm. please, your understanding of this, your understanding of what needs to come from this and how I need to show up is much bigger than how yeah. I think I need to show up in this moment. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that awe, keeping that awe about who he mm. is and his power working in us. We sometimes discount the Holy Spirit and the power that he has to give us words that we don't even know what we're gonna say. In the right. moment, we, we we discount that and we try to just come up with our solutions because we want control. We want to have the answers. We want to look wise. We want to know. But leaning on the Holy Spirit, I mean, being prepared, but then leaning in God, let him show up is wow. That's where we see the wow kind of moments mm -hmm. in life. Amen. 
Yeah, I think um, similar to that, I'm, I'm noticing in this reading of the passage that the disciples had some assumptions about who God was and what that meant he should do. Right. Mm, and they yeah. didn't understand it because he starts teaching them that he's going to be doing something that's contrary to their assumptions. Yeah. And it just means that as they sit, they, they didn't, this time they didn't oppose him. They didn't try to stop him from saying that, yeah. but they admitted, I don't get it. And I'm not sure I'm ready to ask him what this yeah. means yet. And so I yeah. think that, that there's a, a sense in which as the Lord is teaching me something or taking me through a season, there's a, man, my assumptions probably need some, some shifting. It's not mm -hmm. that the Lord is out of place and it's not as though the Lord is wrong, but man, my assumptions about what he is or what he should be doing might need some adjustment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fear him in the sense that I respect and believe him to be hundred percent. Right. Right. But I think different than them, I'm probably going to go to him and say, Lord, please teach me, open yeah. my eyes to see, open my ears to hear. I want to be someone who understands what you're doing here. And even, and you don't, does, you don't, you're not required to teach me or tell me, but mm. it would be really nice if you did. Right. So mm -hmm. I think there's something there that in, in how they responded to the reality of who he is, I'm challenged in that today. Definitely. So, well, and two, I wonder if sometimes we don't ask those questions, even though we have them, because mm -hmm. maybe we're kind of in shock. We mm -hmm. were dealing with all of our emotions about it, and we don't want to just respond. Like, you know, again, you had this had that example of Peter just going, oh, no, God, that's not right. You know, I, that, don't say those kinds of things. Right. And they're like, I don't even know how to process what you just said, so I'm just going to kind of keep quiet. And yeah. um, we have times like that where something will happen and it's like, I don't even know how to process how this did not work out the way I thought or how, why this did happen. I don't even mm -hmm. know how to go there at this moment. So yeah. I really just come almost like you're in shock. I just need to kind of sit here and let it sit in, sink in first mm -hmm. before, um, before I try to even ask, before I can even ask a question because I'm yeah. so surprised by it. Yeah, that's a good word. Well, Alicia, uh, I thank you so much for for joining me today and mm, just you. taking the time. Yeah. yeah, this has been a real treat. And uh, just want to encourage everybody who's out there, if you have questions, if there's something that Alicia and I talked about on this podcast or something that we didn't get into that you thought, man, I really wish they would have talked about that. You can always email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you send me questions and you got a question for Alicia, I can certainly uh, send that on to her. Uh, go check out her podcast. What, what's your podcast again? The Christian so, Mindset Coach. Yes. Go check it out. Listen to yes. it. Yeah. Um, how often does that come out? That comes out every week. But every week. I will say, um, depending on when you are listening to this episode, uh, we will have a hiatus over the summer to take okay. a little bit of a break for um, my own sabbatical. So nice, but normally it is every week. Yes. Normally it's every okay. Monday we have a new episode. Yeah. So yeah, go check out that podcast and like subscribe, uh, give her a shout out if you're coming from this podcast. And again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you, if you appreciate this podcast and want to share it with other people, please do tell people about it. Uh, 
again, I'm not doing this because I, I want to build up some sort of name for myself. I just want people to take and read the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's worth reading. I think that for believers, it's it's a lifeline. I don't think you can get through this life without it. And I think that anybody else, uh, when you consider the profound influence, as I say in the intro, that it's worth checking out if you don't read it and don't know what it says. It's worth your time looking at it because it has had a profound influence on our culture and it shapes so much of the foundations of Western civilization. Mm-hmm. So with that said, please like, subscribe, share, hit the the bell, do all the stuff you're supposed to do on these <laughs> kind of things, uh, just so that more people can can hear about us and find yeah. us. So thanks yeah. for tuning in. Alicia, thanks for, for joining me. And uh, for all of you out there, go take and read the word of God. Blessings. Blessings.